Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Episode 15, The Archetype Diet. Reclaim your self-worth and change the shape of your body with nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner, Donna James. Welcome to the Alternatively Healthy Podcast. I am your host, Becky Rabin, personal trainer, wellness coach, and founder of online wellness magazine, Alternatively Healthy. This is your high-vibe, soul-soothing weekly dose of wellness. Each week, I will be getting up close and personal, bringing you conversation and insight with some of the wellness industry's most renowned health practitioners, coaches, experts, and thought leaders from around the world. Through our podcast, we hope to give you all the information, resources, and tools that you need to help shape the healthiest and happiest version of you. Dana is a board-certified nutritionist, functional medicine practitioner, and cognitive behavioral therapist. After 12 years in clinical practice working with over 3,000 female patients, Dana discovered that there is a powerful link between how women source their self-worth and their behavior around food, which in turn influences their hormones and where they tend to store their fat. In this episode, we cover the different types of archetypes women can fall under and how this affects their hormones and their weight loss journeys. We combat emotional eating, healthy weight loss, and how to become your happiest, healthiest you. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super, super excited to have you. I've kind of been like on this big journey with all of my podcasts. And as a personal trainer myself, I was training a lot of girls and the audience I was attracting were all girls in great shape, didn't see it, couldn't lose specific certain bits of weight. And I came across your book and I came across your Instagram and I can't remember who referred me to you and said, oh, you've got to read this. And I've literally like power read it the last week. So I've been like... (laughs) Wow. And I've, I've been speaking to so many amazing people on this podcast that are just coming at weight loss and coming at aesthetics from a very different perspective, which is something that, you know, I've gone through a massive transformation. All my audience know this of basically being all about my body. And, you know, I was a gymnast and I was a personal trainer and it was all about aesthetics and it was all about performance. And now it's totally about how I feel and my mindset and going to the gym from a place of love because I love my body enough to move it rather than because I hate it and I've seen huge results so coming across things like what you've done with the archetype diet for me is is something that I feel in the UK we're slowly starting to look at intuition a little bit more and look at mindset a little bit more and the work that you've done with this book is absolutely incredible so firstly please tell me a little bit about your story and why you're on this mission to try and change the conversation around weight loss here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I've been seeing women for 12 years and my practice is principally around weight loss, digestive issues, hormones, adrenal and thyroid. And what I was noticing was that regardless of how beautiful and how perfectly calibrated a diet was for that particular person, whether it was a woman or a man, they would fall off like after three weeks they would feel wonderful, see results, and then something would happen. And it wasn't anything dramatic, but it was just there was some shift in mindset that caused mm-hmm. them to eat in a way that wasn't in line with their goals. And then over time, I just started to see these patterns. Yeah. And then it became crystal clear to me that the reason we fell off the plan was because of where we sourced our self-worth from. Yeah. Because the source of our self-worth will be the reward for us. Mm-hmm. And that is going to take us in that direction versus what our body goals are. So the four ways that we source our self-worth are either success and achievement, yeah, the body itself, yeah, being there for others, or creativity and intuition. Mm-hmm. I give you an example of the first one of success and achievement. And this is my archetype. I call her the Wonder Woman. Yeah. And she's in the pursuit of excellence. Like that's what she's going. And so she... What happens with her is she's going to get booked back-to-back with meetings. And then if a meeting runs over, the small amount of space that she had to eat, her healthy lunch, is gone. Mm-hmm. Right? So then she's skipped her meals or she's going to grab something that's convenient. Or then at 3 o'clock, she's munching on office snacks that she would otherwise never eat. So yeah. it was that desire to be successful that caused her to be booked back-to-back in these meetings in the first place. Then by the time she gets home, she's completely exhausted. She feels like she needs a reward to actually eat. And so therefore she's going to have the dark chocolate or the glass of wine. And, you know, taking that reward out of her diet feels disastrous for her. Like it's really difficult to do that because she hasn't realized that all of her efforts are going into her work. Yeah. So until you can actually see that to say, Oh wow, like that's where I'm getting rewarded. So most of my energy is going in pursuit of that. Then it's difficult to change it. So I created these archetypes to inform women more about their emotional presence and where they were going. And so sometimes you can think, well, if we move to the next one, the femme fatale, which is where she sources her sense of self-worth from her body, 
you might think, well, if this person is getting the self-worth from her body, then surely she's always going to be eating in a way that's clean and healthy for her. You absolutely know that that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. So when you source yourself worth from your physical body, the relationship with food and body becomes so distorted mm-hmm. because it's like the value of you have a floor or perceived floor on your body, it's disastrous yeah. for you, right? It feels like your self-worth just starts to plummet mm-hmm. where somebody else that doesn't source their self-worth from their body doesn't see that, right? They'll just be annoyed with the floor, but it won't be so distorted yeah. for them and so distracting for them. And so this woman has this dysfunctional relationship with food. She's either really restricting her food or she's overindulging and overfeeding out of shame. And so as you just said, like for you, that you've had to pivot that. So it's not based on your physical body, but more on the intuitive and I would say etheric body here, which is actually what we're attracted to. So here's the interesting thing. I'll just sort of segue a little bit is that we're so fixated on form. Like we're so fixated on the physical body or on money or on social status. Like all of that's form. You can sort of see that. The reality is, is that what we're attracted to is the intangible. Yeah. You're attracted to a woman, not because she's beautiful. It's because of the chemistry. Yeah. Right. It's It's all in the energy. Yeah. Right. Or the same with men. We look at what's perceived in society that women are attracted to men with money. Well, that's not true. Actually, yeah. what women are attracted to is actually power and influence. Yeah. That's intangible. Yeah. And so we need to start moving away from the physical and into the intangible. Yeah. Right? Truly what we're interested in. Yeah, that's so interesting. So they're the two. Wonder Woman, Femme Fatale, and then the other two are... Nurturer and the Ethereal. Yeah. So what so, are the characteristics of those two? So the Nurturer... Sources her sense of self-worth from being there for others. So she's really the caregiver. She loves to be able to help people out. That's yeah. where she gets her sense of reward. Now, if that's you, then what happens is you deprioritize yourself. Yeah. Right? Everybody's needs before yours because you get a sense of reward from that. Unfortunately, that can very quickly go out of balance yeah. and you are left exhausted and depleted and grabbing the convenience food, the gluten-free muffin, because there's no time left for you. Yeah. Right? And so this archetype tends to comfort eat because she doesn't allow nurturing to come in. She actually doesn't know how to receive it because for her, she feels like it's her responsibility to be able to give it. Mm-hmm. And my nurturers will be the ones that tend to overeat more. They need to pull the carbohydrates out of their diet, the starchy carbohydrates out of their diet because of the way their hormones are. But if you don't give them a set of tools to be able to deal with the emotions that surface during the day, yeah. like they will just find themselves like really resistant to pulling the starchy carbohydrates out of their meals. So you need yeah. to address the psychological piece and to have them start to believe that they're not worthy because of what they give. Yeah. Like all of us, we're worthy just for our presence. Yeah. And then the final type is the ethereal. Yeah. And so the ethereal is very much used to being different. And she sources her sense of self-worth from being very intuitive and creative. Now, the ethereal, because she's being classified as being different, she can either relish in that or she cannot at all. And she often takes on the mask of the other archetypes. So I will find ethereals being the femme fatale and the wonder woman predominantly. And then when that happens, it's even worse than the original archetype being out of balance because it's so displaced. Yeah. And so that there is her reclaiming her true intuitive creative self. And that can be difficult when she's grown up in 
either a family or certainly culturally that has valued success and achievement. Yeah. So it's like her to like truly own that, that very intuitive creative piece of her and start to really relook at those experiences from childhood as just a societal or an imprint from family and to go back to that intuitive way. I think it's really interesting that obviously I know that people will be listening to this like I definitely have the characteristics of that and I'm definitely kind of more that but a lot of the conversation is that you say that it comes from childhood and that it comes from something deep rooted within us that makes us and how does that come into play like for me when I did the questionnaire see I resonate with we'll go on to this but I actually think I'm Wonder Woman in the sense that I am 100 miles an hour have always been like busy 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 and kind of have always wanted to have a successful career with my own money because my family didn't come from much money yet I do place a lot of my value on self-worth and what I look like always have done I think Instagram and things like that have always played a role in it but since a young age my mum said to me you know you're so beautiful why can't you see it like why don't you see that you're so beautiful but then I also massively last year found myself doing so much for other people so much so that I never did anything for myself and it was coming from a place of no love for myself I was like half cup full giving and didn't think I deserved it yet I'm super spiritual as well so I'm like okay which one am I when I did your questionnaire I was predominantly femme fatale yes I naturally answered all of those questions but I was like playing with the well no because part of me does do that is the point to be a part of all four of them or are you meant to stick in one so the only reason I want you to identify your archetype is to find out what your blind spots are in your wounds. So it's identifying it in the negative right. and as much as we don't want to. Because once you can see that, then you have the opportunity to change that. So I want women to have the positive attributes of all of those archetypes. Yeah. Right? Now, if you find yourself exhibiting <laughs> all the, the negatives, negative, <laughs> I would say all three, right? Because the ethereal piece was just the spiritual intuitive piece. Yeah. Well, that's really beautiful to have that. Yeah. Right? There's nothing, nothing sort of negative there is that there's a little bit more work that needs to be done on that yeah. through the month. Yeah. My feeling was you were the femme fatale. That's what I predicted just by the conversation that we had. But there's also an overlay, and I don't talk about this in the book just because my publishers edited it out. Yeah. It's too complicated. It's too complicated, right? yeah. And that's like, right, anybody I talk to, like, it's like, oh, you know, don't we have another one? And so there's an overlay. So you have a mm. dominant one, which comes from the wounds from childhood, and then there's an overlay, and that will waver depending on where you are in life. Right? So it might be that in your 20s, you were more of that Wonder Woman because you were in the pursuit of your own business and wanted to establish your own financial independence. Yeah. And then maybe you get into your 30s and you become a little bit more nurturing and maybe there's a child along the way. So you take on those attributes. Yeah. And then maybe in your 40s, you take on more of the ethereal because there's that spiritual piece. So yeah. there is an overlay naturally there. But the entire purpose here is to start to see those coping strategies, know where they've come from, change the imprint that happened in childhood to know that you're not worthy simply because of an external factor. Now, when that's the case and you break that, you no longer need to engage in these self-sabotaging behaviors. So all of a sudden you open up your mind to be able to do more things that are interesting and wonderful for you. So this is when you get the opportunity to add the positive attributes of all the other archetypes into you. Yeah. And I would say that this is when you rise to the crown so that you become a very balanced woman. Yeah. So ultimately, it's being able to nurture all of these attributes of the different archetypes, and then you draw on them in certain situations. Mm-hmm. So I often see this with Wonder Woman is that they're very assertive and driven and at times quite dominating. 
And that's wonderful in the workforce. But if you take that home to yeah. your partner or to your children, it's a mess. Yeah. Like that doesn't work. And so it's having the Wonder Woman like really nurture the femme fatale piece of being very sensual and loving and being able to put that into her marriage or her partnership and then being very nurturing with her children to be very understanding and compassionate. Yeah. And then obviously there's that spiritual piece that we want to weave through all of us. Yeah. So that's the actual goal with the archetypes. That's so interesting. And then going back to this childhood, like how does someone do that work? For me, I can see that the reason why I was so determined to be so successful in my career, I know, was because, you know, my mum was a single mum and she was a teacher. She didn't earn a lot of money. And so I was like, do you know what? I'm going to go to work so my mum just has to stop worrying and then I can look after her and, you know. So I can see where that bit came from, but I can't see where the femme fatale, the placing my self-worth on what I look like. I know all the triggers. I've gone back and looked at, you know, I was a gymnast. It was all about what my body did, not really what it looked like. I never had to be a certain shape or size. I wasn't that far down. And so it's so interesting now because that's the one piece. And I guess where I'm a personal trainer and have worked for years with women and it's all about the appearance, I can see there's a lot of women who also do value their self-worth do you think that that necessarily has to come from childhood or do you think it can be where we're in such an image-based world almost now i'm going to say there is some wound that happens in childhood yeah so at some point you as a child will feel not pretty enough yeah and because of that then there's the childish interpretation that you need to look more beautiful so we are surrounded by images we always have been yeah and is it any worse that there's now social media showing these images of sort of skinny women mm. is that more problematic and there's a big question over whether that is the case from my experience i would actually say no yeah i would say that what social media offers us today is the ability to be able to see so many different body types whereas yeah. when i was growing up as a teenager in the late 80s and early 90s the only thing that you really saw were the supermodels yeah and that was your image of what was to be attractive out there and but not everybody not every woman or man compares themselves to those images that are out there in the media. Yeah. And so therefore it comes down to a very personal experience with you. That's incredible. So, mm. Like I am a wonder woman. That's my dominant archetype. So like you, my mother was a teacher. Yeah. Right. Father and father were separated. It was a similar thing. And yeah. I took on this belief. I was like, I am never going to depend on anybody else for yeah. money because I saw my mother's self-worth just disintegrate with that. Yeah. And so I then became the Wonder Woman. But I also had the influence of the femme fatale. So I grew up in a beachside town, and my sister was beautiful. I sort of joked that she was like this Barbie doll <laughs> that was really, like, this really super cool Barbie doll with, yeah. like, you know, size A boobs. So they weren't popping <laughs> out of nowhere. And my best friend was a swimwear model. And I was like, she looked like Elle McPherson and had the face of Angelina Jolie. <laughs> and so, and my mother was really attractive. So I was just, like, surrounded by this beauty. Went on. I just happened to be in this town that was full of beautiful women, so I couldn't see beyond that. And for me, I didn't look like that. Right? I had curves, and I hated mm. going in the sun because I was so fearful of skin cancer. Yeah. <laughs> and right. Yeah. So I then had my own issues with my body and how I looked. Now, the reason why I didn't become a femme fatale was my father. So my father started to notice these sort of distorted patterns yeah. and. He wisely got to the root of it very quickly. And he was a huge music fan, still is. And there was a Bob Dylan song called I'm in Love with the Ugliest Girl in the World. <laughs> 
And so he played that song to me. Wow. And really what that was was you may think you're ugly, but I still love you anyway. Yeah. And that's all that we want. We just want to know that no matter how we look, we're still loved. loved. Yeah. And so with that, my father stopped any type of distorted eating that may have happened from that. Because I can see like how if I didn't believe that I was loved and it was all about my looks, how I wasn't as pretty as the other girls, how that could have created a whole host of other issues. Yeah. That's he amazing. didn't because he stopped it. That's incredible. He saw that and stopped it, yeah. which I guess that's something that I would need to continue on working on to figure out what it was when I was a child because I was told all the time how pretty I was so I'd, and I never saw it. From the get-go, I never saw it. So it's really interesting. I'll have to definitely go back to that. But I think what's so interesting is that you're placing this self-worth and how we believe ourselves as women to our relationship with food and our weight loss journeys and in the book you actually talk about the different foods that each different personality type should essentially do as well as how they should work out right the different exercise they should take so give a brief example of what maybe each point of person should look at changing just small little bits that potentially each archetype if they're listening the book will help them look at yeah i'm just going to go back to your point about you and getting these accolades that in itself yeah can create that. I was thinking because that. it's like, where do you get the attention from? Yeah. So there can be, oh, here I'm getting the attention on my looks. Oh no, what happens if it goes away? It can be as simple, simple as, that. as that. It doesn't need to be anything too dramatic. Yeah. Now, from what I'm picking up from you, there may not have even been this ability to be able to receive or take in that attention. And so I have one of my clients who she was constantly given these accolades on her looks as a child and it felt uncomfortable to her because she couldn't receive it yeah. and so therefore because she couldn't receive it and she thought these comments were strange on her looks it became a rejection of herself yeah that is so interesting it, it, yeah it can just be something very light it's mm-hmm. around the attention, attention you're getting i think that my, that um, my audience will know this but like my dad actually died two weeks before I was born. I was a bit of a miracle child. My mum couldn't really have children and then she fell pregnant with me and then my father passed away on my due date and then I was born. So I think maybe it could be that I was a bit of a miracle that happened to my family and actually I did have a lot of attention as this like perfect, beautiful girl that came out that was... I didn't see it then, but I look back now and I was very active. I was very good at sports. I was, you know, I had an older sister who had obviously lost her dad who was very upset and not you know, quite recluse and didn't have that many friends as much. Whereas then I was this like confident, loud mouth, like pretty (laughs) little thing running around that maybe it's that, that maybe I actually did have all of that kind of attention. I couldn't take it and I didn't feel comfortable with it. I don't. Yeah. And that's that's something for you to have a look at. Yeah. It's really interesting. interesting. And sometimes it's just an acceptance that that's what it is and it doesn't require any other interpretation at all and that's sort of easier to work with the more you do the mind work the easier it is to be able to see it and then to release it and let it go Mm. like other people Um, placing it on me is really interesting yeah so then going back to the individual archetypes yeah the diets for the archetypes are based on the hormonal influences that happen from that belief and from that lifestyle yeah so with the wonder woman because she's 
often in this stress mode, just go, 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 the dominant hormone is cortisol. And so the plan that I developed for her, the eating plan, was to lower and regulate those levels of cortisol. So one key component for her is let's pull out what we know are common food sensitivities. Let's pull out the gluten and the dairy yeah. as a starting point because she's more likely to have developed that because stress will interfere with the body's digestive processes mm-hmm. and stand up for more of these sensitivities. Yeah. And then with all of the archetypes, you want to be eating a principally plant-based diet, not plant-exclusive, but plant-based diet. And so for both her and the femme fatale, it's half a plate of vegetables at lunch and dinner. Interesting. Right. And then the other half is, quarter of it is animal protein, and then the other piece is split between a little bit of fat and carbohydrates. Now, with the femme fatale, she's often very fearful of these carbohydrates because there's now this erroneous belief that carbohydrates are immediately going to cause you to gain weight. And that just isn't the case. Yeah. Right? And so it's the finding the balance there with them. So the food plate looks like half a plate of vegetables. It's a quarter of it is some type of animal protein. So normally about 100 to 125 grams. Yeah. And then split between some fat and some carbohydrates. Like mm-hmm. That's the way that you lay out a plate. Now, for the Wonder Woman, I've also incorporated the influence of the chakras which is the sort of energy portal. Yeah. And Wonder Woman tends to be out of balance in the third chakra, and that color is yellow. So working with the energetics, when she starts to add yellow foods in, particularly when she's conscious of it, she can like rework, the, bring in that emotional stability. Yeah. Or adding in yellow peppers to a salad, like that would be helpful for her. And a very particular in portion sizes. Yeah. Then we've been talking about the femme fatale. The femme fatale, the plate is structured in the same way. Yet the color spectrum for her is orange, which is working with the second chakra. Yeah. Okay? That's going to be helpful for her. Now, interestingly, the femme fatale tends to be very fearful of things that are orange. Like, oh, I can't have a mango smoothie because it's got too much sugar in it. And yeah. it's like, no, 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 no. Like, let's go beyond sugar as a way to escape. Like, real food has so much in it than just sugar. So it's polyphenols in it that we want to be familiar with and also the energetics of the color realm. Yeah. So to have that there. And the Femitel is more about establishing a healthy and positive relationship with food. with food. And that yeah. would be understanding how the carbohydrates work in her body so she isn't fearful of them and understanding that fruit just isn't a sugar bomb. Yeah. Like they are big, big switches for a Femitel. Then there is the nurturer. And so the nurturer is very insulin and estrogen dominant. And so what she wants to be doing is she's on the lowest carbohydrate diet because her body is so sensitive to those carbohydrates yeah. much more than the other appetites. And so for her, I have to pull the starchy carbohydrates out. Yeah. So to compensate for that, she gets a little bit more protein. So she would be somewhere between 125 grams and 150 to satiate her because she is the hungriest out of all of the archetypes because the body just isn't listening to insulin and leptin. Yeah. And I want her to be eating cruciferous vegetables daily to help regulate the insulin levels and to help regulate the estrogen levels. So that might be that she's adding half a cup of frozen cauliflower into a smoothie which simply makes it creamy. Yeah. And she doesn't wow. have to it does there's no taste to it. So that's an easy way to get it in. Or it could be a marinated kale salad, or she's adding Brussels sprouts to salad or something like that. It's really easy to add that in. So the subtleties in the food produce profound results. And this is what we as a culture don't understand. Yeah. But these very small changes bring about incredible results because of how the hormones and how the genetics change with food. Then we have the ethereal, who's at the completely opposite end of the spectrum from the nurturer. So the ethereal has to add carbohydrates in. 
right, she has to add these starchy carbohydrates in, like the legumes and the grains, because for her, she tends to have low levels of estrogen. When you add those carbohydrates in, you increase the insulin. The insulin makes you have more estrogen. It's why the nurturer needs to do the opposite. Yeah. And so she's the, the only one that really works with these macro bowls, where you have these macrobiotic bowls, yeah. where you've got like brown rice and beans and maybe there's sober noodles and those things. Like she used to have that. She needs about three quarters of a cup of those cups to keep her grounded. Yeah. Right? Because with the ethereal, she's scattered, right? It's all up here. She feels quite overwhelmed by things. And these cups just like bring her back into balance. She also tends to be the one that first and foremost suffers from bloating and distension because she gets compressed, right? So she gets discombobulated, unable to really express herself. It can be challenging for her to understand what's hers and what's somebody else. So she's highly, highly sensitive, right? Nurturers are also highly sensitive for different reasons. Like when you grow up in an environment where there tends to be some of alcoholism, somebody was sick in their family, there was emotional neglect, you're very, very sensitive to other people's emotions. The ethereal, very sensitive to picking up other people's emotions, right? They just tend to absorb it. The nurturer is aware of it. She's hyper, hyper on alert to try not to trigger that. And so the nurturers will take on responsibility for that. The ethereal should absorb it. Yeah. Because there's sometimes some confusion between the two, and I don't want the two to be confused because I don't want them on the wrong diet. Yeah. And so the ethereal tends to look very lean, mm-hmm. right? And again, she doesn't tend to have an issue with body fat. Yeah. And the nurturer is more voluptuous. Yeah. And she tends to have like a little layer over her because she's so insulin. Not so, but she can be insulin resistant there. Yeah. But they were often, there's often some confusion about that there, and it's just the way that you interpret it. Yeah. I mean, it's. So incredibly interesting how you've gone right back to like, okay, what type of woman are you and how does that offset your feelings to then offset your hormones? Because there's so much talk actually about hormones at the moment. And four of my podcasts in this series have been about hormones because I've noticed that with the magazine, all the content I'm creating, with the experts writing content for the site, even, you know, I've been facing my own hormone battles. I have really, really severely low estrogen levels. But I did know that I was, with this high-paced life that I've been living at 100 miles an hour, I was suffering with adrenal fatigue and my cortisol levels were extremely high. Plus, I was... I'm a big believer of the fact that in the last few years, HIIT training has been this huge phenomenon and girls that are already working in very high pressured lifestyles and running their own businesses and feeling this pressure to be this high powered life, as well as then working out five, six days a week in these high intensity set, like the cortisol, obviously I totally took a role of like finding out what was going on with that, with my own body. And I've massively changed my lifestyle now. And it's way more chilled out, like way more chilled out. But I really started to open up my own Instagram about my low estrogen. I had an MRI scan for an injury and then they found shadowing in my ovaries. And there is just this world of hormone issues and imbalances that women are now starting to talk about. Or if you just talk about it once, they go crazy. And it's really interesting that you've then related that back to the type of person we are, where we value our self-worth from, and then what that means for our diet. And I think that being in the fitness industry for so long, and I'm sure with you with the nutrition, like no one's really placed that. Everyone's just kind of like, what are you eating? You should be eating five meals a day, no gluten, no carbs, or how are you working out? And not really taking into consideration that we're all different. Yes. And I think that's what's so amazing. So what about if the hormone imbalances of us, so I have a femfetal archetype, but I have very low estrogen and I store fat around my belly. Yes. So, and the femfetal can mimic 
any of the other archetypes as well because it depends on how you're thinking and it depends on what you're actually eating. So I would say that I would run the labs again because you typically have low progesterone levels and then maybe you have low estrogen levels. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that you would just have low estrogen levels. Right? I would say that it would come in tandem with the progesterone because cortisol and progesterone share the same precursor. So if you're at like here, you're going to go off to cortisol and you're going to go off to progesterone. The yeah. body will always prioritize cortisol, right? So it's going to go up here. So what happens is that you end up with low levels of progesterone. Right? So already there, you've got a hormonal imbalance. Yeah. And then if things go on, then you can end up with low estrogen levels. That is like, we'll start to order correct. But it's the cortisol progesterone piece that you really want to be working on here. Okay. Right? And so for you, you said you're adrenally fatigued. I would say you're not adrenally fatigued. Because you have elevated cortisol levels. Adrenal fatigue is where your cortisol has completely come down. And your adrenaline and noradrenaline is on the floor. So yeah. you can't get out of bed. Yeah. Right? This is where the HIIT training is a mess for you. That is not what you want to be doing. Like For you to recover, you need to be doing Pilates and yoga. Yeah. Right? That's the right thing That's to do. That's literally all I so, do now. <laughs> yes. Now, if you have high levels of cortisol and you have high levels of adrenaline, which is sort of the early stages of that stress response, is very Wonder Woman, you actually need to burn it off. Yeah. It's actually better for you to be doing the HIIT training wow. so that you can actually release part of that there. So for you, like looking at you here, like if you're storing body fat around the abdominal area here, like that's cortisol. So it's like, well, what can you do to regulate those cortisol levels outside of the realm of food? Mm -hmm. We spoke about pulling the yeah. things out that you're already sensitive to. Well, that is it's meditation. Yeah. It's breath work. It's connecting more. It's sex. Like it is actually taking time off and it's doing these things on a very regular basis. Yeah. Plus it's going back and reinterpreting those childhood memories that say, you need to be really successful because if you're not, you're going to end up poor. Yeah. That's the fear that's coming in. And that fear is always there until you go back and eradicate, and eradicate it. it. And so that's, that's on the cortisol piece there. So if you start to shift that, the progesterone will start to shift. And so will the estrogen. Now, if you want to target the estrogen piece directly, it's like you would add a, probably a tablespoon of flaxseed into a smoothie as one of the few foods out there that can help to increase a little bit of that estrogen. Mm -hmm. And also make sure you're getting enough carbohydrates in. The more you exercise, if you're exercising intensely, you need more carbohydrates. Yeah. A client of mine is exercising twice a day. I say to them, whatever calories you burn in that second workout, you need to eat. I would prefer you if you exercise once a day. Now, that's if the field isn't – if they're not – in the training world. Mm. Like if they're in the training world and they need to be exercising twice a day, that's different, right? That's what they're doing for your job. Yeah. You absolutely need to make sure that you have enough food, you have enough of those carbohydrates in there because we've now gotten into the state where it's be paleo, be ketogenic yeah. for a little. And I will tell you, I know people, like, and we've, this has been around for a long time in my world, yeah. and it's like two years in and you're so tapped out. Yeah. It's just so tapped out. You're exhausted. There's no glycogen coming in. You're not feeding your body any of these carbohydrates. So once you start to add those carbohydrates back, can you restore? I had a conversation with a friend recently and I realized that for a good year or so, I was eating carbs because I knew how to eat the right carbs. And oh. I taught myself. But yeah, I was still under eating the amount of carbs that I should have been eating. And everything kind of changed for me at the beginning of this year. After that whole like scare with my hormones and my doctor being like you really need to change your mindset towards food and I noticed that I never physically had anorexia or bulimia or like 
really, really restricted myself. But I had this like surface level restrictive of food that I'd been doing for years. And it had become normal just to just eat well all the time. And um, I totally changed everything in my life from adding meditation to only doing really yoga and Pilates. And now that I've like healed myself I'm now going back to doing my HIIT training and it feels incredible at that time I had to just stop but I had this conversation with a friend and I've massively upped my carbs this last year and I said to her you know I never crave sweet stuff anymore I never feel like depleted or tired and a lot of the people I know are paleo now they've gone paleo they've gone low carb and I'm I'm wondering where is that going because after two years like you say everyone's exhausted (laughs) yeah it's like like trust your body like listen to it. Let's not let's not think that these things are bad. There's a time and a place for them. Yeah. So if your goal is fat loss and you're exercising maybe five hours a week, then I would say find your appetite in my book because that will tell you yeah. the level of carbohydrates for you because it's based on your inherent sensitivity here. Yeah. As soon as you start to add more exercise in, you do need to add more of those carbohydrates in to fuel the body. Fuel it. It's a very fuel source right? which is what you want when you're training i have to say as well since reading the book when you were talking about the different types of food and how we need different colors and stuff to do with your chakras i have been adding way more orange food into my diet this week and honestly for those of you listening i'm literally eating like so many carrots and, and oranges and i actually feel so different it's so strange yeah it's like when you're aware of it when you're conscious of it you will feel it yeah Yes, usually we will. Then I actually didn't mention the the color spectrum for the uh, for the nurturer and the ethereal. So the red is for the nurturer because it's working with the first chakra. Yeah, and then the purple and the white is for the ethereal because it's working with the super consciousness up here. And I love um, that you're using that because no one I've spoken to, I've had people that have like really got there with the mind and they've really got there with the hormones. And then like you're also now talking chakras, which is like very spiritual. How does that link to the Ayurvedic dosha types here? Is it similar? You know, the archetypes were not created based on the doshas because the archetypes were based on the emotional aspect of where you source yourself. So there is naturally some crossover, as I would hope, when something's been around for 5,000 years. And so I would say that in the extreme, so when the archetypes are out of balance, they fall quite nicely with the doshas. So the ethereal falls with the vata, the nurturer falls with the kappa. The femital can be across any of them. And the wonder woman feels falls into the Peter. But there are actually many times where they don't follow that. Yeah. So I would have a nurturer who is not too far out of balance who would fall moral into the Peter as opposed to the Kapha. Or maybe there is a Wonder Woman who might fall a little bit more into the Vata. So there are definite crossovers. There are absolute similarities. Yeah. But they don't nicely fit. No. It's just making it, I guess, more about the physical. That's really all we're talking here is that it's so much deeper than just going to the gym to work on your body or just going to eat this food because that's what's going to make me slim. And I think there's such a stigma around the word weight loss at the moment. And I don't think it's got anything to do with then people are finding that they spent three years 
trying their hardest to be the best shape and it's never really served them because it's been yo-yo dieting that now everyone's gone do you know what like weight loss is such a bad word you don't even need to lose weight anymore you just need to feel good but there are people who absolutely do want to lose weight in certain places or do need to lose weight and I think it's like putting it back now into this like taking away the stigma and kind of coming down to this so much more and the the last part I want to just talk about is that you obviously have your like certain food fundamentals in your book that you think people should kind of always follow so that's no sugar well very limited sugar right yeah. it's very limited like i'm okay with just a little hint of sugar i don't want people to abstain because i actually don't need to but it's choose it wisely yeah. yeah and then what are your thoughts on the whole on gluten because i have cut gluten out of my diet i've had food intolerance since i was a child i was born with yeah. dairy intolerance and gluten came out of my diet very young so it's all very hereditary my whole family have it issues with ibs and stuff but I also am a big fan of, I don't really believe in the gluten-free market because it's full of so much other stuff. So if I'm somewhere and they've got a crap gluten-free bread, I'd rather have fresh bread. So what are your thoughts on gluten? So obviously if you're celiac, you take it out. Now, if you're not, then if you're a Wonder Woman, this is where I would be really conscious about taking it out. And now this isn't for life at all, but it's a time period to take it out. So the more stressed you are, the more likely that you are to have these food sensitivities. So the gluten molecule is a large protein molecule. The larger the protein molecule, the more reactive you tend to be to it. So if you can break down that molecule, which means like sourdough and fermented breads, it's a small molecule, so you're going to be less reactive to the actual gluten molecule in itself. The question remains, however, are people reacting to bread because of gluten or is it the glyphosate, like one of the components of pesticide, that is actually triggering more of these issues? And we don't know. So it's okay. Well, then if you want to be conservative, then you would really take wheat out of the diet or you would make sure that you only eat organic wheat. And if you want bread, it would be an organic sourdough. So what my clients notice, and certainly I notice it as well, is that when we're in Europe, it's a non-issue for us. People have gluten sensitivities and they have major issues when they're here in the US. And then when they go to Europe, it's they're getting the traditional bread. It's been fermented for 72 hours yeah. and they're often using a different wheat. Not always, but often. And so they find that they can tolerate that. Now, that could be because of the wheat and the way that it's made. It's also that they're on vacation, yeah. right? And so they're relaxed and they're connecting and they're having fun. So I would say it's a combination of all of those things which enables them to be able to eat it when they're on vacation and in Europe, not when they're in the U.S. here. What I suggested to people in the book is for four weeks, you go gluten-free and dairy-free. Right, but you don't have any of those gluten-free substitutes. You don't want that. We want yeah. you to be eating real food. Yeah. And then you can trial it by putting it back in. Now, if you start to notice that you get bloated, fatigued, brain fogginess, if that comes back in, it means that there's some sensitivity. Yeah. And so then I recommend pulling it out for nine months. And then you can reintroduce it. It took me three years to reverse my gluten wow. sensitivity because at the six-month mark, I kept trying it. Yeah. And it inflamed the body again. Yeah. And so eventually I was like, all right, I'm actually going to take it out. And it's because I was in Turkey and being gluten-free for six months. I was like, oh, I'm going to be fine. And then I eat all this Turkish pie. The next day I get onto a boat and my friend takes a photo of me. And I'm like blowing up because I would gain like five pounds of water. And at the end of the trip, she's like, oh, you lost weight on this trip. And I was like, no, I didn't. I just, my gluten inflammatory water came down. Enough for me to go, all right, done. I'm going to take it out for nine months. And I did. And I totally reversed it. And I will eat organic sourdough now and I will have pasta and I don't know it's a non-issue I'm I'm probably five years out of that now so it's not as though it's for life the only thing I think that like for me I took dairy out I took gluten out and refined sugar 
I still have sugar occasionally. Like I don't completely restrict myself of it. But I think then what happened, and again, now looking back, because I've like reversed it slightly as this whole fear around food, because if you're restricting things for a certain reason, you're still somewhere. Like my sister, who's really not into this industry at all, is like, I get that you're trying to make people healthier and you're being healthier and you're looking after yourself because gluten makes you feel like you need to go to sleep for four hours. I get that. But you're also constantly always thinking, has that got gluten in it? Or we can't go to eat there today because they don't do anything gluten or dairy free. And actually, I really noticed that I've reduced my protein intake and it's made me feel a lot better. I was eating a lot of animal protein and I feel better, but I don't want to go completely vegan because then what the hell is there left to eat for me? Like, it's finding the balance, right? Yeah. So I will find that in the training world that women tend to grossly overeat protein. Yeah. And you don't need to do that. It's like bring it back to the right level. So I'm recommending for a woman of a just, you know, somebody that's like five and less, it's like 100 grams. Yeah. Right? If you're taller than that, then it's a per meal. And then if you're taller than that, just a little bit more. So it's not a lot. It's not that much protein. Yeah. And you are better off with protein and a heavy plant-based diet than actually just going vegan because as yeah. soon as you go vegan you have to supplement yeah so that itself should be a question of like which one is better and you often hear oh a vegetarian vegan diet is better and it's like no it's not actually you can't look at the epidemiological studies saying that a plant-based diet is better than yeah. an omnivore diet you need to compare two healthy diets there was a study where they compared a vegetarian diet and an omnivore diet with 11,000 people who went to the health food store and they found that it was exactly the same Wow. The health levels were the same. So I look at it to say with a vegan diet, you need to supplement. I would rather somebody have a plant-based diet with animal protein because then they don't need to supplement. Yeah. It's just finding the balance there. Yeah. And then going back to the worry about is it gluten-free or dairy-free? Well, it depends on where the issues are. If you have an inflammatory disease, mm. maybe it's like MS or rheumatoid arthritis, and yeah. eating those foods are major triggers in terms of pain for you, then you want to be more cautious of that. Yeah. If it's more that, okay, it causes you to feel a little fatigued or there's a little bit of water bloating, yeah. well, you got to find the balance with life. Now, most of the time, a restaurant can create something for you that's yeah. gluten-free and dairy-free. Yeah. You just have to ask. So I don't find that to be too challenging. Yeah. Obviously, the places that you can't go to, that you can't go to a pizza place. Yeah. Right? Just uh, like in no. <laughs> don't work for you. And, and Indian is another one that's yeah. quite challenging. Other than that, you should be able to navigate your yeah. way through. And it just, beca- just becomes a lifestyle where you figure out the things you can and can't do. Like for me, it's just become a lifestyle now. But I know that there's a lot of people that are like, I'm told I can't eat sugar and I can't eat gluten. And I can't eat dairy. And like, oh, no, I'm just scared to eat anything. And I think there is just generally a lot of fear around food amongst a lot of women in the 20 to 30 category and I think when you come out of it the other side but that's a whole nother topic I know we can do that another time yeah Um, I'm not aware that you've got to go but I guess for anyone listening the book is absolutely incredible it came out literally just like a couple of months ago no this year yeah called the archetype diet the link will be at the bottom of the podcast show notes and in the podcast but you literally cover all four archetypes the food you offer a meal plan for each archetype don't you you talk about the supplements we should be taking you actually have a whole chapter on fear around food as well isn't there in there um what else have i missed anything else off the mind piece the mind piece yeah (laughs) which is the hugest piece i mean there's a whole whole topic on that but guys, honestly, it's like one of the best books I've read in a long time. And I think for me, it's really interesting because this is the last one of this series, this episode, and it's kind of rounded up all of the other episodes in a really nice way. So thank you so, so much for coming on today. And I'm sure we'll be talking again to cover more areas. 
Thank you so much for having me on and reading the book. I'm doing the work that you're doing. You have been listening to the Alternatively Healthy Wellness Podcast Series by Becky Rabin. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please feel free to leave your comments and feedback below and don't forget to give us a lovely little rating. For more information on our podcasts, other episodes, and to find out more about what we do, please visit www.alternativelyhealthy.co.uk. And remember, shaping the healthiest version of you means looking purely at you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.